going to jump in. Good evening. If you're watching online, we are glad you are here. Uh, the uh, study guide is going around. Emily's on top of it tonight. You get it before service. Um, let's pray and we'll get in. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are in our life. Father, we just bless you. We thank you that you're doing great things in us. And we thank you that we are learning to find our place in the kingdom, Lord. We thank you for what you've done in us, what you're continuing to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you're uh, watching online, uh, welcome. If you're using your phones tonight, uh, the U version is up and the scripture references are on there. So far over the last several weeks, I mean, not counting what Pastor Ted did for the weeks, four or five weeks before that, but for the past few weeks, we've been looking at things that at first we looked at, the, not first, but we looked at the attitude believers should have. And that attitude is one of a servant. If we really want to know how to uh, walk in what God has called us to, we've got to learn to walk in a servant. We saw how man treated the kingdom, um, how that we've been brought back and established, reestablished in his redemptive work. And here's some things that, that came to me as we were, I was preparing for tonight. Some people, we've got a weird idea of what the kingdom is. Um, some people think that the kingdom is the paradise that Jesus promised, and they can't wait to get there. And so they hope for that that's the kingdom. And then people think that there's the physical kingdom when we're talking about a kingdom. They think we're talking about a physical kingdom, uh, like Jesus will set up, okay? Um, and there are others who think that the kingdom of God is the church. The kingdom of God is not the church. Uh, we're going to look at some stuff, but uh, we need to understand when Jesus first came out and started establishing some things, they didn't even have church. The, matter of fact, the first uh, century apostles didn't have a church to go to. So they, con they continually met together, but then they... Um, they, the word tells us that they still went faithfully and regularly to temple. So they, they continued. So church is a word, really it's significant and it's specifically a New Testament word. Uh, it wasn't seen at all uh, that, so uh, before that. So let's remember what our definition of dominion from last week was. It's a ruler who walks among the people in a sense of spreading out rather than uh, rule on the throne alone. And so I got a message last night from uh, uh, Rob uh, James. And I don't know if he wants me to bring this out or not, but too bad you shouldn't have sent it to me. Anything you send to me may will and can be used. But he said the last few Sundays during worship, he kept having this vision. And... Uh, he said it's, it was the congregation singing outside this building. And they were actually marching towards Cambridge. And he said each, each week when he saw it, he said the group grew larger and kept getting closer and closer, uh, closer to town. And I just sent him a word back. I said, I said, taking territory. That's what we're supposed to be, not stuck in, the, in, in just this building. Uh, we have to remember the kingdom of God is not in this building 
unless you were in it. There are hours upon hours today that this was just an empty room. It wasn't the kingdom of God. I walk in it, it held the kingdom of God. Well, you got to remember when we walk into a church, this is where the kingdom gathers. This is not what the kingdom is. Do you hear me? This is where the kingdom gathers. Because what did Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven is where? In you. And here's the thing. When I thought about Rob's vision, true dominion, as we talked about last week with Adam, true dominion is one who walks out among the people. That's when he said have dominion. It was, a, it was a form of them walking among the people and spreading the kingdom out. And so I want to look into a few things a little deeper tonight. Um, I'm going to say some things, and I want to say it again later, and I'm going to say it right now. I am not against the church. Okay? Uh, that would be kind of dumb position for me to take. <laughs> Luke chapter 12. Because I'm going to say some things, and when I say, well, this is not, the church is not the kingdom, people say, well, then why do we need church? And, and that's what a lot of people's done. They've casted a, a church away, but this is the place where the kingdom gathers. Luke chapter 12, verse 29. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all of the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So when we become kingdom-minded, what happens? When we start taking on the mindset of the king and, 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 and paying attention to kingdom things, then what we eat, what we drink, all this stuff could be added to us. Our problem is we're more worried about what we eat, what we drink, how we get it, our jobs, our this, our that, and the kingdom kind of gets pushed off and out here in the back, and then all of a sudden we look around going, I don't have enough. But he said, if you seek you first, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and other uh, ads there, he says, but instead seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Look what he says in verse 32. Fear not, little flock. Mm, Got to rest on that. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God is not trying to hold anything of the kingdom back from you. He's not trying to tell you to have to work to access it for you. Matter of fact, it says that it, it's his pleasure. It makes him happy for you to walk in the kingdom principles and for you to enjoy the benefits of being a king in that kingdom. He says, seek first. That word seek, I know we, we've got this idea, that, you, know, you know, get out the binoculars, start looking. Do you know, it's, it's actually the original word was more like think. Think on, have your mind filled with kingdom things, and then all these things will be added to you. Our problem is we don't have our mind filled with kingdom things. We've got our mind filled with car payments and loan payments and <laughs> what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink. Some of you are probably thinking what's for supper already. And so that's what we, we find ourselves. But that word seek actually is it's more by, it means to seek by thinking. To seek, it goes on to say, uh, according to Vines, it means to seek how to do something or what to obtain. 
So when he said, seek the kingdom of God, he was saying, get your mindset right. Focus your mindset on my way of doing things. I'll take care of what you eat, what you drink, what you do. I'll take care of all of that for you. But your mind has to be filled with the things of the kingdom. And our problem is we don't. I don't, you don't, we don't. Come on. I'm not, folks, I'm not always spiritual. <laughs> I wish I was, but that's just not the way the world works, Jeff, because I'm a human. Uh, I do my best. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And I want to read this out of the expanded Bible. Hebrews 10, 25 says, you should not stay away from, neglect, forsake the church meetings or meeting together. I don't know what in the world people do with that verse when they come to me and say, well, I just don't believe church is that important. Well, it was important enough to have its own little section in the word. We're going to get into some of that more. He said, don't, now one translation of this says, don't get in the habit of not going to the meetings as the heathen do. Ooh. Now, so, so let's read it again. You should not stay away from, neglect, forsake the church meetings, meeting together as some are doing. Some were abandoning Christianity and returning to Judaism. But you should encourage each other to stay faithful to Christ and to other believers. Even more so as we see the day coming, the day of the Lord, when Christ will return. So he tells us here, so, and when people say, well, I, the church is not important, the church is important. I think it was Bill Hybels used to say all the time that the hope for, the, for, the, for our neighborhoods is the local church. And, and I kind of, these, my last couple of weeks have kind of blended over into what I'm preaching on Sunday too. Uh, but he says, don't get in the habit of not going, folks, we need each other. We need each other in this because this is the meeting of kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven is in us. So when we come together, we bring the kingdom of heaven in with us. So if there's one of us here, okay. But imagine how much more the kingdom appears when there's two of us here. How much more the kingdom is represented when there's three of us here. How much more the kingdom is represented when there's a hundred of us here. And that's why it's so important that we have a, 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 be a tie into a local church body. One of the places to find yourself in the kingdom is in a local body. Well, the kingdom's in me always. Yep. And he has a clear instruction here. Do not forsake the assembly. If you're reading King James, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. For all you King James readers. <laughs> Go to Joel chapter 1. One of the places, I want to establish this first. One of the places to find yourself in a kingdom is to find yourself a good church home. And if you're online and you're watching us right now, right here's a great one. Right here's a great one to hook into. Uh, are we perfect? Nope. I ruined that when I showed up. <laughs> but here we are. In Joel chapter 1, verse 14, look what he says. Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, 
Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord, your God, and cry out to the Lord. So what's he saying here? Get everybody where? To the house of the Lord. Now, they had God in them wherever they was, but there are times when God says, get to my house. Come on. We're talking about the kingdom. Let's talk about it. We, we can't, if, if we're not going to read the rules, we shouldn't hold on to the th- idea, right? He said, call a sacred assembly. See, here's the thing. A lot of times the elders and the other people didn't worship in the same place. He said, call a sacred assembly, call the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord, your God, and cry out to the Lord. Now that word house there. It's, it's, a, it's a noun. It means a dwelling place. It means a family, a temple, and a palace. You see, everything we need is wrapped up right there in the house of the Lord, in the dwelling place where there's family. It's a temple, but it's also a palace. Now, you, you tell me that's not amazing when you think about what that word is. He said, it's the, it's the palace where, we, where kings get, reign. It's the palace where kings gather. And he said, call everybody to the place. And he said, uh, uh, the word, the definition goes on to say, it is used basically to denote a building in which a family lives. You want to find your place in the kingdom? Understand that you are part of a divine family. I know. You're part of a divine family. That's why he says it's the house of the Lord. It's the dwelling place. It's the temple. It's the house where we live, but it's also the palace where we reside from, where we rule from. It says, um, which a family lives, but it can also refer to a family or the household itself. And this is complete word study dictionary. It says, sometimes it means a palace or a dynasty. So when he says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, he's saying, you need to make sure that you are part of the dynasty that I have set up and set in motion. And people say, well, I can do it all on my own. Can you? Because just about everybody I've seen that has tried that, it hasn't worked out so well. Why do you think, uh uh-oh, Political, you ready? You know, I don't do this very often. Why do you, and I'm, I'm saying this is the enemy, not people. Why do you think about four years ago, the enemy wanted even the churches shut down? Why? It's keeping the kings out of the palace. It's keeping the kings out of the dynasty where they, where they reside, where they, where they make rules. Joel chapter 2. I'm establishing something here. I want, us to, I want to establish first that we are definitely pro-church. And I believe it's scriptural. And that's why I wanted to show scripture. Um, now, let's get this straight. Church doesn't save you and it doesn't make your relationship with God any stronger. That's on you. But it is necessary, Carrie. Joel chapter 2, verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly, a solemn assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, 
And even the nursing infants. Wait a minute. Who's supposed to be in church? Even the infants. Why do you think it doesn't really bother me? I know it does uh, uh, some people. Kids don't bother me. Why? Because he says right there, they're supposed to be in the house. That's why we try to set up something for them. I remember the first time you guys came, and I had no idea of, of, of other things. And your son started making noise, and, 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 and we weren't as big as we are now. And she, she reached over and grabbed him, and I said, he's okay. He's okay. It's not, you know, Sunday it happened here. You know why? Because I keep going back to this verse. It says, gather the children and the nursing infants. Look how important it is to gather in the house of the Lord. He said, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her bride chamber. In other words, these two people that are coming together for their time, bring them to the house of the Lord. Let them leave their rooms and their bedchamber. Man, I think it's pretty important because he's interrupting things now. He said, bring the children, bring the infants. Let the bride's, bridegroom come out of his room. Let the bride uh, come out of her chamber. Let them come to the house of the Lord. We are, the house of the Lord is important. And if you want to really find your place in the kingdom, one of the best places to start, Pastor Ted, is right here in God's house. And it is so, let me tell you, I know how easy it is. It is so easy in the world we live in to say, oh, I'm tired, I've worked, I've done this. But here he tells a bride and a bridegroom to quit what you're doing and come to the house. And, 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 and I get it. And you know, we don't put pressure on people. I, don't, I try to never put pressure. People come to me and they feel guilty or whatever. Say, oh, I'm sorry we went to church. Hey, you know, that's not what it's about. But it is important. Don't ever think. Is this okay? I know it's not what we thought we was going to get when we talked about. But why is he wanting us to do this? Because there's power in unity. There's power in unity. Can you all tell where my brain has been stuck for weeks and weeks and weeks? <laughs> there's power in unity. And everyone was called out. And they were called to come together in power. Why? He told them to call out to God. Why? Because when all of the kings and all of the kingdoms that's represented call out with one voice and they're in the palace where the dynasty is established, they rule. They make, they make declarations and decrees. They change the very face of the spiritual realm and the natural realm. This is what Jesus set up. People are the assembly of God. We are the kingdom. It's inside of us. This is just where we gather. And this is where he wants us. And, and so that's why the scripture tells us to assemble ourselves. And don't get in a habit of not. I, I, I will throw a little bit of guilt at you from time to time. Say, hey, where you been? You know why? It's important for you to be here. It's important. Uh, and I, I'll, honestly, in today's time, it, it doesn't seem like it is. But I believe God's raising up a whole bunch of people. A whole new group of people that sees the importance of being together. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4.
We ain't really got into the meat of this thing yet. <laughs> it's important, Renee. You know? It's like I preached on Sunday. When you're not here, part of me's missing. And until we see each other this way. Look what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one. Come on, there was a political statement uh, ran around here a few years ago. Better together. That's actually a biblical term. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. This is why it's important to be here because if you fall, if you get weak, if you make the mistake, it's important. I can't help you if I don't know you're falling. Me and Emily and I just had this conversation today. I can't help, she can't help, D can't help. If we don't know somebody's struggling. So that's why, the, that's why the body, the local body is important. Now this local body is important to us, but it's just as important for those in the church across the street or the others in town that's having service tonight. It's important for them. But I'm talking about us right now. <laughs> um, he says, if, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Woe to him who is alone. I don't need nobody. According to the word, we do. <laughs> At verse 11, and again, if two lie together to keep warm, how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail. Now, here's the thing. This scripture is used in marriage. It's not even talking about marriage. It's not even talking about it. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And I know we've, we've, we've taken this and used it as a, a bride and a husband and God, and it's a threefold cord. He's talking about unity. He, he's talking about unity here. Two are better than one. Why? Because we have help. That's why it's important. So again, the church is not the kingdom. The church is where we gather, where the kings gather. What we are, Galen, is we're the church of the kingdom, the gathering place. And you got to remember, Jesus, well, Jesus did, but Peter didn't understand anything about the word church, the way we just, you know, that we, <laughs> Okay, I'm not even going to go into a lot of history. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. People say, well, we don't believe in a church. We have, we have a home group. Guess what you got? You got a little church. Well, we got 80 people in our home group. You got a medium-sized church. Good, go, have it. But we want to look so unreligious that we act like that's not a church. It's a place where people of like minds come together. And somebody teaches, <laughs> I know, I won't get any love on that one. It's still church, no matter what you call it. Well, we don't go to a, a big building. Okay, you're still going to church. I had a young man one time, he came come to me, he was a punk rocker, if ever there was a punk rocker. He was so 
whatever he thought was anti-establishment, he would wear it, he would do it. I mean, and finally he come to me and said, I'm not like the rest of everybody. He said, I'm an individual. I said, no, you're not. He said, why? I said, turn around and look at all your friends. They look just like you. You're not an individual. You're just part of a different group. So it doesn't matter if you call it a home group. It doesn't matter if you call it a study group or a prayer group. Welcome to church. Okay. That's a little rough, isn't it? (laughs) Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he stopped and he said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He gets a name change here. And here's where uh, people do half studies, Galen. They think that God named him Petra. God didn't name him Petra. He named him Petros or Petros, however you want to say it, which means small rock, one that can be moved one that can be thrown. He said, you're a Peter. Mm. Oh, I know. It'll, uh, we'll get there. And on this rock, on this Petra, he calls Peter Petros because he's part of the Petra, the larger rock. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Petros, he said, you are Petros. You're a small stone. It it, it can be a large stone, a piece or a fragment, but but um, what they thought of when they saw that word Petros was one, it was just big enough to throw. You can do some damage with a thrown rock. And then he said, on this rock, on this rock, this Petra, this is what he's talking about. That word, is, it means cliffs. It means uh, where sepulchers were, were dug out of inside of it. Uh, it's a places where houses or even villages are built for security. He's talking about whole villages are built on this rock. What rock? It was the revelation of who Jesus was. And whole societies can be built on that revelation. While one may be able to be picked up and thrown away like Petros, when you get to the rock, when you get to the Petra, the revelation of who Jesus is, what Jesus is, and who he is to us, whole civilizations can be built on that rock. That's a rock that can't be moved. But he told Peter something, and Peter did not think of three songs three points in a poem, and go home. He didn't think about, oh, this is a time when we're going to get out by noon and we're going to beat John the Baptist and his bunch to lunch. He said, on this revelation of who I am, I will build my church. Peter didn't even, if they would have said church, he wouldn't even know what that was. 
what he said was on the revelation, on the rock, on the Petra of who I am, I will build my ecclesia. Well, what's that mean? Ecclesia was a term that was used among the Greeks as a body of citizens gathered to discuss the affairs of a state. The ecclesia, who we are. Now, again, you see why I had to separate that we're not against church? But he said he's building a what? He's building a group of people who were called out into a public place for the, uh, for the reason for the reason of talking about, discussing, and changing the affairs of the state, of the town. That was so, when Jesus told him, on this revelation, I will build my ecclesia, Peter understood because they spoke Greek. He understood this was not a religious, here, hang on. This was not a religious term. If we understood what church really was, what the ecclesia really was, we would get out of this religious mindset and realize it's not that. It's about when we go out of these walls and begin to have and exercise the dominion that we talked about last week, and we begin to make decrees and declares, and then we walk out to carry out the things we've decreed and declared. Our problem is we want to keep screaming into the air and declaring and decreeing and never walking out to carry out the things we're declaring and decreeing. Because <sighs> we've got dominion all wrong. According to Thayer's, the ecclesia was a gathering of citizens called from their homes. Now, what did it say the solemn assembly was? In the house of the Lord, it was the home of the body of the king's palace. He said, the... Uh, uh, the ecclesia is a gathering of citizens called out of their homes into some public place as an assembly. An assembly of people convened at that public place of the council for the purpose of deliberating. In other words, the ecclesia, the church, is who we are. It's not this. This place could close tomorrow and it'd be a, it could be a dance club right after. This is brick, this is wood. The church, the ecclesia is here. We gather here to encourage each other, to help each other, like the scriptures looked at earlier, to pick each other up. But our job is to leave here and begin to affect the world around us by being that, that group that declares and decrees and then sees those things that are carried out. It is a kingship that is like none other. And, and Peter understood this. And we get so excited to hear. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, he's built his church, he's built his church. And they don't even realize what he's saying. All right, so we, we got a lot of churches, but we don't have a whole lot of kingdom-minded people. We got a lot of churches, but not a lot of ecclesia understanding people who understand that they're called to leave, to go out and to effectively change the world around them. And you know why Peter was a small stone? So he could be aimed and targeted. How did David take down a giant? He grabbed a stone, a Petros. 
You can be aimed. You can be targeted to bring down giants, but you'll never do it just in here. You have to get out of here. Why do you think we have Harvest House? Because it's outside these walls. Why do you think we do some of the other things that we do? Why do you think it's important for you to be open listening to what Holy Spirit says to you when you're walking through Walmart? You're pulling up at the gas station. This is who we are. And so we're not against the local church. The local church is important. This is where we help each other. This is where we pump each other up. But this is where we also need to understand this is just where the kingdom gathers. He said, on this rock, I will build my governing authority assembly. That's what the ecclesia is. It's the governing authority in an area. It's a shame that that's not what we do. Well, why aren't we seeing people do it? Because they don't know. We have been so driven to have people begin to base their salvation on whether they become members of a church or not. We've measured success. Oh, Emily, you didn't know you got into this with me today, did you? We've measured success by how many members we have. We need to start measuring success by the difference in our area that we're making. Not by how many people can sign their name. Because we've gotten to the point where people think salvation, oh, I know I'm all good. I go to church. Devil goes to church. Demons go to church every day. There's a bunch in here right now. <laughs> Going to church <coughs> makes you <coughs> a part of the ecclesia just about like sitting in your garage makes you a Ford. It don't work that way. But when we understand that as this group comes together, that we are part of the governing authority. Galen gave me a book. I want to read you a quote out of it. <coughs> I was reading this week. Ed uh, Silvaso, I think is his name. Silvaso. Listen to what he said. He said, when Jesus introduced the ecclesia, his intention all along was to co-opt an existing secular concept and impregnate it with his DNA. Do you realize how powerful that just made the church? Us as a local body gathering together when we leave this place, he took a, a secular concept of a group of people who were called out of their houses to talk about the affairs of the state and he impregnated it with divinity. And then he turned us loose on the world. And then we got lazy. We got relaxed. Luke chapter 17. Are you with me so far? So we're, the local church is highly important. It's so important. But it's also important what you know about yourself when you leave here. That you have the ability to change Spiritual and supernatural atmospheres all around you. Luke 17, verse 20. And being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom would come, Jesus answered them, and we covered this a few weeks ago, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom 
is in you. The kingdom is in you. The church is just a gathering of kings. The church is just a gather place where the ecclesia, the governing authority that discusses the affairs of a state, gather and then goes out and makes changes. Here's the thing about this type of kingship. And I, I could, we could preach on that forever, but we're, the thing about this type of kingship is it has privileges. There are privileges when we understand them. Go to Matthew chapter 16 again, verse 19. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Look what he says here. And I will give you the keys, the keys of the kingdom. So it's the same, same part, okay? It's the same thing he was, re, he was just talking to us about. He said, I will build my ecclesia. In verse 19, he turns around and says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Let's read that real slow. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You ain't getting it yet. This is her house. This is her car. These are her keys. She goes wherever these keys, whatever door these keys are open, she has complete access to. And he says, and I give you the keys. Well, he was talking to Peter and the disciples. Yeah, but with God, there's no respect of person. There's no variableness or shadow of changing. In other words, he's not going to say this to one that it's not true for the others. Or else he's a respecter of person and created his own sin. So she goes, she has the authority to walk into any place these keys are. And he tells them there, and I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand what the ecclesia has in its hands? What we have in our hands is the ability to walk into the heavenly realm and to open things and to close things. And to operate not from a, a, a natural place. That's been our problem. We try to operate from our natural place. But he's saying operate in a super. Start operating out of heaven and start, stop operating out of yourself. Amen. And I have given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Do you see why he says that about us now? On this revelation of who I am, I will build a governing body who has the keys to walk into heaven and declare something bound. We live way below what God has really called us to do. He said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Why? Because if we operate from that place, we're ruling and reigning from that place. Where does the word tell us that we are seated? In heavenly places. With Christ. That means the throne that Christ sits on, he shares with you. We are seated together with Christ. 
Now, does that make us God? Nope. Doesn't even make us a little bit God. He, we're, I'll get there. I got more to go. Well, you, that, that will become clearer in a little bit. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I have given you the keys. The Greek word there is kleos. It means the keeper of the keys has the power to open and shut and denotes power and authority. And I have given you the ability to open or to shut. Do you understand? I've given you the ability to open and to shut of the kingdom of heaven. Cleus. Its most closest word is Cleo, uh, which is to shut up. And And of that, it speaks of the windows of heaven, meaning no rain should fall. He said, I've given you the kingdom, the Cleos, to open and to Cleo, to shut. The ability. Now, wait a minute. How can we do that? What did Elijah do? Elijah said, guess what? It's not going to rain for a period of how long? Come on. You don't have to guess the year. I'm just saying. He shut up. It didn't rain. But what happened to him? Said birds came and fed him every evening. He had a brook that he could drink water from because when you set your mind on the kingdom principles, all these other things will be added to you. And he had the ability by the power that God gave him. We have the same thing. What what did the scripture say? We started out reading it. It is his good pleasure to give you. It made God happy to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That word Cleo, it's also used concerning authority either to exclude or omit something. That's why he said whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. We're going, to get, we're going to look at those again in a minute. You know, that's not the only place in Scripture he says that. Go to Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. Now, this was a word that was given over Eli, Eliakim, but it was also a prophecy about the coming Messiah. In Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. Pastor Ted reads one like this all the time out of Isaiah 9. It says, And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. And look what he does with that key. He will open and none shall shut. And he will shut and none shall open. (laughs) Do you understand as the ecclesia, the governing authority, what he has called us out of our homes and to go and have dominion, to walk among the people. And he says, what? Now, that's, isn't that what it said about Jesus? And on what Jesus say, and I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that what you close, no man will open. And what you open, no man can shut. When will we wake up, Carrie? When? Rook, 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 Reggie. Look at Revelation chapter 3. 
Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to show you why, how we know that this was a prophecy of Jesus, okay? People say, well, that was about uh, Eliakim. Okay, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. And what did Jesus turn around and tell his disciples? I have given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. No, without, without question, he wasn't worried. He said, I want you to be what you were in the beginning, what you were in the garden, after my image, after my likeness. You look like me, you're created like me, walk like me. Here are the keys to get into anywhere you want to get. And what you close, nothing can open. And what you open, nothing else can close. This is who you and I are. Matthew 16. Back to verse 19. Isn't it awesome how the whole Bible just pieces itself together? It just clarifies itself. Confirms itself. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Well, why aren't people operating in this? There are people operating in this. You know what I think part of our problem is? You ready? This is going to sound bad. We live in the land of the free where everything is at our fingertips and we don't have to trust God for everything. If I want it bad enough, I can just go get it myself. But man, you go to in some of these other countries and they're having miracles and, and, and resurrection and all of these other things happen. Why? Because all they have is God. And you've got a group of men and women who will walk in and will bind. They walk into heaven, they bind things. They walk into heaven and they loose things. They op operate in the ecclesia and it is high time the American church starts doing the same thing. Amen. I know. <laughs> Verse, uh, go over two pages, maybe a page and a half in your Bible, but chapter 18 of Matthew. Chapter 18 of Matthew. See, the idea of binding whatever you bind on earth and loose on and loose, uh, yeah, you know, uh, whatever you bind in heaven will be bound, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That is all through the word. We've already seen it in several places. But in Matthew chapter 18, he says it again. Verse 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose in earth will be loose on heaven. And again, I say to you, of two of you, you see why unity is important? We use these scriptures to, to just justify having a few people show up for service. It has nothing to do with that. Where two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. 
among them. See, when two people of the ecclesia who have the keys to bind and loose, they have the very keys of heaven. When they get together in a unified mindset, all of a sudden, Jesus actually comes on the scene. Where two or three are gathered together, I'm in the midst. Where two or three are coming together, talking about binding. See, he, he wrote that in the context of the binding and loosening. Where two or three come together in a unified place, I show up. Mm, folks, you realize how powerful unity is? <laughs> that word bind, according to Thayer's, it does mean to bind, it means to tie, it means to fashion, but it also means to throw something in chains. You have the ability to throw something in chains. It means to bind. It means to put under obligation of the law. It means to forbid, prohibit, or declare to be illicit. In other words, I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you declare, or you forbid, or you prohibit on earth, I will declare forbidden, and I will prohibit it from heaven. Because where two or three are gathered together, I'll show up. Man alive, do you understand? How powerful. Peter understood what an ecclesia was. He understood who we really were. And that word loose, according to Thayer's, I love it. It gets better and better. Gooder and gooder. It means to loose any person or thing that is tied or fastened. Whatever you loose, whoever you loose, it means to loose any person. It means to loose one who is bound, to unbind them, to release them from the bonds, to set them free, to deprive something of authority. So if we declare something can have no more authority, and we really understood who we are, what we are and what has been given to us, we actually can deny the enemy authority in a situation. It means whether by precept or by act, to declare something is unlawful, to loose what is compacted or built together or break up to demolish or destroy it. This is what he said you do. This is what he said is in, in us. To dissolve something coherent into parts. To utterly destroy. But I'm not that powerful. That's not me. That's not, that's not who we are. You're, you're, you're reaching. I've just looked at scriptures. All we're really doing tonight is reading scriptures. Go to Revelation. I am going to read something to you. That most, everybody look at me for a second. Almost all modern translations quote this wrong. How many did I go through yesterday, Pastor? I went, I walked over to him. I said, pull your Bible out. Go to Revelation chapter one. Read it. He said it wrong. Mine said it wrong. Almost all of them do. 
I'll get into that in a minute. Let's just read it first. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So who is he rule? Come on, somebody say it loud. The kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood has made us kings and priests. To his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. When we say that Jesus is the king of kings, we're not talking about presidents or kings of nations. He is the king. He has made us kings and priests. When you say he's the king of kings, he is the king of us. We are those kings. Why? Because we have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Most translations say that he has made unto us a kingdom or he has made us a kingdom. It, that word is basilius. Basilius. It is never used as a kingdom. 118 times that's, that word is used and it always means king or multiple of kings. 118 times and the word is basilius. It means a king, a monarch, one who possesses ruling or regal authority. Thayer says this, it's the leader of people, a prince, a commander, a lord of the land, king. He has made us kings. Well, for all kings, who do we rule? There's a whole spiritual realm. There's a whole realm that we can walk into and say, you'll not operate here any longer. We bind you today or we loose you. We loose you from your authority. We break this. He has made, is that not what your scripture says? He has made us kings. King James is dead on the money here. Or his translators were. He has made us basilius. Not basilia, which is a kingdom. Basilius. Go over just a couple pages to Revelation chapter 5. Remember, if I just said it to you once, which is not going to hold up. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests. So good he had to say it twice in two different chapters. And have made us kings and priests unto our God. What's that last line say? And we shall reign on the earth. On earth. We're not going to reign in heaven. That's his domain. He gave man in the beginning, as we've talked about this all since we started this series, he gave man in the beginning this place to rule and reign. And he says that he has made us kings and priests, and we will reign on the earth. Hmm. Go to Revelation chapter 21. Do you, I, I just want us to understand... Finding our place in the kingdom is, is finding out who we really are. 
I know when, when Pastor Ted started this series, everybody thought, oh, he's going to tell me if I'm a prophet or if I'm an evangelist or I'm a this. Or... No, it's just figuring out this is where you were permanently seated. This is just where we're at. This is finding our place. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, and there will be, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, God Almighty and the Lamb. There's no church there because the Lamb is the church. And the city had no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will all the nations walk. Wait a minute, wait, 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 what? By its lamp will all the nations walk. You do realize that the new Jerusalem that we think of all the streets of gold and everything, that's not way off somewhere. That's coming down setting on earth. And there will still be nations. <laughs> and by his light, all the nations will walk. And the kings of the earth. Now, who's that? It'll always be us. It's us now. It'll be us then. Our place in the kingdom, Pastor Ted, is forever settled. For eternity, we're settled with where we're at. Holding the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And, it, and, it's, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. We already saw who the kings of the earth is. Now he says, when, when all this big, bright, shiny city comes down and sets down, we bring our own glory in. Because he has glorified us. He has made us kings and priests. Oh, it gets gooder. Look what else it says about this kingdom of heaven. Or this city of heaven, I should say. New Jerusalem and its gates will never be shut by day. Heaven will never be shut off to anyone. By day, as long as it's daytime. As long as it's daytime. <laughs> well, there's no sun. There's no moon for he is. It's always day. And her gates will never be shut by day for there is no night and they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. And it started when Jesus asked a question, what's the revelation of who I am to you? And the question is still the same. What is the revelation of who I am to you? And when Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he said, on that revelation, I will establish on a rock that can't be moved, I will establish my ecclesia, my governing authority. I will give them the keys to the kingdom of heaven and what they bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what they loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and I have made them to be kings and priests and even in heaven itself they will shine their glory that they share with me this is who we are this is our place in the kingdom let's pray Father we thank you thank you Holy Spirit for enlightening us with your word.
Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself and shedding blood at our hands. Thank you, Father, for developing this plan before the foundation of the earth. Thank you. Let us remember who you have actually made us to be and let us change the atmosphere, changing our city, changing our family, changing our homes, changing our children. Why? Because the keys belong to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.